That passage that Kyle just read is, is always a powerful one for me. And there's a lot of things, I believe, that are, that are powerful when we come together. And I wanted to share just, I asked Gary just to make sure. But Gary read some thoughts before the Lord's Supper and, and prayed. Um, this is, that was the first time Gary's done that. Was it a little spooky, Gary? Yeah. He, hey, you, but I, I know the first time I met Gary, some of the, the conversations we had, it's so different than where Gary's at now. Has Gary decided a while back, I'm going to pursue God, and whatever God wants me to be, that's what I'm going to be. And we see this is just one example of that. And I think, Gary, you're a great example for all of us in just pursuing. I want to be God's person, and I know that might be spooky at times, whatever that may be, but I'm going to just pursue God. And what a great example for all of us in that. And that's really what we see as we're going through the book of Luke here this fall. We started last week and we're going to continue on today. Is how scary would this have been for, uh, for Mary and for Elizabeth who find out that they're going to have children that are going to change the world. They're going to do powerful stuff. I know that when, uh, when I found out that Sylvie and I were going to have our first child. Sylvie would say when she's going to have our first child, you know, more appropriately maybe. But I remember the excitement and the fear that came into all that. Because it was exciting that, oh yes, we're going to have a child. And fear as, oh no, we're going to have a child. How on earth are we supposed to do this? What are, we going to, what are we supposed to do? How are we going to walk through all of that? And what does that mean? And I remember one thing about it, and I've shared this with some of you before, that I, I hold confidentiality very high. Very, very important. If someone talks with me, I don't share that. And Sylvia and I decided that, because um, we had just found out and we wanted to wait till she had her first appointment uh, to make sure things were good before we started telling people and we were going to quietly pray about it. But what I found with myself is that when I was in a conversation with somebody about something totally, totally unrelated, you can see this coming, can't you? What I started finding myself is, oh no, I'm going to say something. I know I'm going to say something. I can't help it. I'm going to blab. Here it goes. Then I would tell them, oh great, that's fantastic, because I was so excited that we were going to have Sarah, our our daughter. And it was just something that, it it just, it it was, I, I just could not help but share the good news that was there. And when I read through the first few chapters of Luke, I get the same impression, that there is so much good news here that God cannot help but just share the awesome stuff that's, that's going to happen. And so angels come and visit Elizabeth, angels come and visit Mary, say, hey, you're going to have these children that are going to do tremendous stuff. Get ready, because it's going to be awesome. You're not going to wait to, you can't wait to see what, all the good things that's going to happen. And so in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 80 is what we're going to look at today. We see this, uh, what Kyle just read, is that Mary goes and, and Jesus is in her at this point in time. She goes and visits Elizabeth, who is going to be the mother of John the Baptist. And the, the excitement when she, she comes in the room of John the Baptist jumping in her womb saying, Yes, yes, this is good. This is good stuff that's happening here. And that exchange is beautiful that you see there in those verses there. And as a response to all that, what happens here, look at verse 46. And this is, is a wonderful time to be talking about this because there's, there's tons of babies that are here in the church here. And just as a side note, if your baby screams, it's awesome, okay? I can talk through anything. No big deal. It's fantastic, all right? We love that. That's the way things should be. That's part of uh, being a, a great family of God that God's blessed us with, with that, those blessings. Um, 
In verse 46, this is Mary's response. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. And you see this, this is also called the Magnificat, oftentimes. It's, but it is a beautiful response of Mary, just saying, God keeps his promises, look how wonderful this is. And we're going to come back and we're going to pick some of this apart here in just a minute. But what I want us to get is just the excitement that Mary is sharing, that God is doing great stuff. Now, do you think if someone would have uh, would approached Mary and said, Mary, I think you better not tell anybody about this. What do you think? you think that she could have pulled that off? I think that would have been hard, like it was for me when I knew that Sarah was coming. I can't help but speak about this because this is so such good news. This is awesome. And the next story that comes up is, it, the story goes back to, to follow uh, John the Baptist. He is born to Elizabeth and Zechariah, a couple that was way beyond childbearing years. Not, not possible, biologically, but God makes it happen. And when the baby's born, and you remember from last week, Zechariah couldn't speak. And so he hasn't been able to speak for quite a while. And so the, the family comes, and they're excited for, for this little baby that's been born. And they, and they say, hey, let's name him after his dad. Let's name him Zechariah. And they say, mom says, no, his, his name's going to be John. And they give Zechariah a tablet, and he writes, his name is John. They say, there's nobody in your family named that way. Why would you name him John? And as Zechariah writes this, his, he's able to speak. And he starts praising God in this exciting moment right here. And look at verse 67. It says, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied and spoke the words of the Lord. And this is what he said. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come upon us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into a path of peace." Beautiful words by Zechariah right there. And what he shares is, again, God keeps his promises, and I'm excited because he's doing great stuff here. Hey, what we see in both of these, the words of Mary and the words of Zechariah, are them sharing some of the mission of God. And so let's talk about what that mission of God is here for a little bit. Uh, the mission of John that we see here is that he is going to be one that prepares the way for Jesus, which means he's going to teach the people about salvation, about the forgiveness of sins, and he's, always, and he's going to be one that shines in the darkness. Hey, let's think about what all this means here for a minute. Now, salvation, we talk about those in, in terms of 
spiritual salvation, being saved from our sins. But let's back up and talk about it from a spiritual perspective here for a minute. Now, as, as many of you know, my family and I were in Italy the last couple of weeks of August, visiting a church in, in Rome that Sylvia grew up in, and, and also spending some time with her family. And we went to a place outside of Rome called uh, Lago di Bracciano. And it is, uh, it was, no, I got the name wrong, didn't I? I got the name wrong. Anyway, I'll, I'll think about it. That's another lake. I'll, anyway, I'll figure it out here in a minute. It'll come to me. Anyway, we went to this lake, okay? It was a beautiful lake. And uh, there, was, there was some paddle boats that we could rent there. So I rented a paddle boat. My kids had never been in a paddle boat. And a few of us went out in the paddle boat, and we're, we're um, out there in this beautiful lake. Uh, it's an old volcano, you know, and, and we're out there just uh, just. Around. And so the kids and I decide we're going to start jumping off the boat and, uh, and just kind of having fun out there in this, this water. And so we uh, jump off, and Luke and I jumped off at this point in time, and uh, the wind was pushing the boat, and so it's pushing it away. And here Luke and I are out in the water, and we're swimming back to the boat. And I could see that Luke was straining trying to, to keep up. Is that about right, Luke? Yeah, it was kind of it's getting kind of tough there for a minute. So I went over to Luke and I got over near him and he he was pretty seemed to be pretty relieved. He grabbed onto my shoulders and I started swimming. And my um, uh, sister-in-law's boyfriend was was on the boat and he's just relaxed and just having a good time. I think I, I don't think he realizes how hard we're having to swim to try to keep up with the boat blowing the other direction. And so I put my head in the water. I'm swimming and swimming and swimming, and I'm panting, and I'm starting to feel it. And I get over to that boat. I cannot describe how good that felt to grab onto the boat. And Luke climbed up over my shoulders and you know, climbed in the boat. And then I was able to climb in the boat because that boat was salvation for us. That boat saved us from being in that deep water. And so when we think about it from a spiritual perspective, that's really what salvation is all about is we're out in this water, and sometimes we don't even realize how tough it is. And the shore is way over there, and maybe as, as spiritually we, we understand that that's where we want to get to. We just don't know how to get there. That's so far away, it seems like it's impossible. But what John the Baptist was, ca- was called by God to provide the people. And remember, he lived in a time where there was so much religious formalism and tradition that it got in the way that people could not see God through all of that. And so John the Baptist, and we'll see him here in the next weeks, he goes out and he starts teaching the message of God very simply to people in a way that it convicts them, in a way that they can understand that, yes, that's what I want. Now think about it. If you were out swimming around in the, in the water and you're struggling, trying to get to the shore, but you just don't know how to get there, it's so, so far away. A light shining in the darkness or something that is really appealing is, is powerful. And so if you're out there swimming and there's a boat that comes along and there's a bunch of people on it that have clubs and they're sitting there whacking the boat, making all this noise, saying, hey, come on over here. Come on over here. Do you think that's very appealing at the moment? Do you think that would be appealing? If I swim over there, I might get thumped in the head. I'm not sure I want any of that. And that's what the religious leaders provided. Hey, come to God. We want you to come to God, but we'll probably beat you over the head. We're going to treat you terrible. Bad things are going to happen to you. And so it happened. A lot of people swimming out there 
spiritually swimming out there in this, this big, vast water, looked around and thought, I think I'm going to try to make it to shore alone. I'm not going there. That's scary. Can you imagine that? And that's really what, what God has called John the Baptist to be, to be a light in the world, to be that steady, solid platform that people who are out there that were swimming, just trying to survive, could come to, could hang on to and say, yeah, that's it. This is it. This is it. Salvation, the forgiveness of sins that I can climb onto that will help me get to shore, this solid foundation. And, and John became that, and he paved the way for the message that, that Jesus is going to bring. But as I think about John the Baptist, it makes me think, what am I? Am I being someone that is a solid foundation for the people around me? Am I being someone who is a light to the world that is someone that people want to come to, that want to, to hear the message of God because they see something in my life that is different than the rest of the world? Hopefully I'm not one that worries about things that I can't change. Hopefully the things that come out of my mouth demonstrate that I believe the future is better than the past. And I, I put my best into that. And because people see that, then they see me as someone who can help rescue. Think about that for all of us, for us as a community of people, is a safe place where people could come and, and grab onto a, a firm foundation so that they can get to shore. We look at what the message of John is there. The message of Jesus is similar, but more powerful even than that. message of Jesus is, as Mary tells it here, is to bring mercy to his people, to honor the humble and judge the proud, and to bring peace so his people can live without, can live and serve without fear. You see all of that in Mary's words. Now, how many of you like to receive mercy? Yeah, I like to receive mercy. And our tendency as people is we like to receive mercy and we like to give judgment. Okay? That's not fair, but you know, we, we prefer not to go that same way the other way. There's a, mercy is something that is, that is beautiful when it's given to us. How many of you, honesty here, have ever been pulled over for a moving violation? Oh, man, we've got to talk about this. No, that's, I think most, okay, let me ask this. How many of you have never been pulled over for a moving violation? Melissa Bachman, wow, I'm impressed. There's a few of you here. Most of you can't drive yet. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, you just wait. It's coming. It's coming. I remember I was in the car, and I was, I was about 12, the first time my mother ever was pulled over for a moving violation, and it, it was really, really tough on her. But there's been a few times, I admit, that I have been pulled over for a moving violation. And there's some words that I love to hear whenever that's happened. I'm just going to give you a warning. Yes, you know, exactly. You know exactly what that is. And when I hear that, I think, oh, thank you so much. That is wonderful. I am so glad to hear those words. Because what's happened is the highway patrolman has shown me what? Mercy. He's shown me mercy. I'm not going to give you what you deserve under the law. And that's what Mary shares. And you see this several times throughout the discussion, or the, the words of Mary and Zechariah. That God has come to bring mercy. He's come to bring mercy to people so that the people of this time, the people of our time, when we decide to follow Jesus, we do not get what we deserve. But Jesus comes alongside, and if we can say it this way, says, I'm just going to give you a warning. Come on, let me help you learn how to drive. I'm going to walk you through this. Man, those are great words to hear. That's good news. And 
A part of this mission of Jesus as well is to honor the humble and to, to judge and, and convict the proud. Okay? In Jesus' day, it's, we're more mobile in our world. But oftentimes in Jesus' day, if you were born down here somewhere, that's where you stayed. If you were born up here somewhere, that's how you stayed. And the perspective was, if people were blessed with a lot of finances, land, whatever, then God was happy with them. And if people were poor, then they had done something for God not to be happy with them. And that's how it worked. And Jesus comes along and says, "Mm, no, that's not how it works. We're going to redefine what it means, what success means, and what prosperity means. Is the people who follow me, and they can be abjectly poor on the street and have nothing, They can be people that have tons of success and be full of blessings because they are part of my kingdom. And people on the other side can have all sorts of all sorts of wealth and can think, boy, I don't need anything in this world. I'm set. I'm good. But can be absolutely poor in my kingdom because they miss out on all the great blessings of eternity. And so I'm going to turn the tables upside down and redefine what success is and and what, um, what it means to be blessed. And beyond that, I'm going to bring a kingdom of peace. You see this throughout the life of Jesus. He talks about this peaceable kingdom. And uh, when people become a part of it, that they can serve God without fear. Um, What a beautiful place. And that's what the church, that's what God's kingdom is called to be. To be a place where people can come without fear. A people that we serve God together, side by side, walking forward and bringing his message out to the rest of the world. Hey, you look at that. How many of you, when you look at this, you think that's good news? Raise your hand. Yeah, we're, you know, we're here at worship. Of course we say that. Hey, that's good. I think that's right. I look at that and I think, yeah, this is good news. This is fantastic. Here's something that I thought about that's important, I hope, for all of us to remember and to consider. Hey, we're called to, to be this to the world, to, to bring peace to the world, to bring mercy to the people around us that don't deserve it, even when we don't feel like it. That's what God has called us to do. But I found that as people, when we become Christians, after we're Christians for a while, there's several things that can happen. It, and all of them result in us going about our spiritual walk and somewhere we lose our joy. How many of you have been Christians a while and have lost your joy at some point in time, at times? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, okay? If you're a brand new Christian and you haven't been there, fantastic, okay? That day may come where what happens in life, and let me share some things that I've thought about, is maybe we get lost in the details and there's just so much happening in life and we get fixed on some aspect of God's Word um, and we spend time there a lot and we don't hear other parts of God's word, and we just we, we miss the big picture, or we get stuck in the details somewhere, and we go along in life, and we wake up one day and think, man, I know that this message of Jesus was good news to me at one point in time, but I think I've lost my joy somewhere along the line. You know, you feel that sometimes? Yeah, that can happen. Um, I had a friend who um, that I spent a lot of time with years ago that he became a Christian in the process of our, our friendship. And what happened is, is he focused on a certain aspect of, of Christianity and didn't, and to the neglect of other parts. And I've, I think I shared this when I taught Revelation here on Wednesday night a while back, is that he would read Revelation and books about Revelation, but I could not for the life of me get him to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the story of Jesus. 
And what happened is he got so focused on that little aspect that he lost his joy. And I watched his joy just get sucked out of him. And he, um, because he was convinced he wanted to figure out when Jesus was coming back. Man, I don't know that. I can't figure it out. Scripture says we can't figure it out. Yeah, but I know it's got to be in here somewhere. There's something I'm missing. And he lost his joy. And he ended up walking away from God because he, he lost the bigger picture. And I found that I do a whole lot better when I just don't wrestle with that stuff. And I say, God will handle that. I know that I'm supposed to be faithful right now, no matter what happens. That's my job. Or sometimes there's sin happen that gets in, into our life. How many of you have had sin in your life at times? Yeah, mm, I get it. Yeah, it comes. And we, uh, um, and that ruins our joy because being transparent with God means that we're able to, to get that out and, 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 uh, and, and walk in newness of life. And it seems sometimes that I know that Scripture tells me that I'm a new creation and I walk in newness of life and all that, but I don't seem to add up to it sometimes. And I, I fall short. And thank God for His grace that transforms me and helps me walk through that. But I know at times that uh, when I, I look at myself and think, man, I am falling short. I, I don't want to deny that this is there. I want to be transparent. I want to be honest. But I wrestle. And I lose my joy during those times. And so during those times, it's important to confess to each other, pray for each other so that we can be healed, as, as James talks about. But we can lose our joy for, for a time during that. We can um, lose our joy. And I found this. In, in our world is very, very prevalent. We lose our joy because we just get too busy running from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. How many of you feel at times that you run too hard and got too many things going on? Yeah, that happens. Oh, man. And we talked about during a, the Bible class this morning is uh, being ruthless with our calendars to make sure that we set aside time where God is first and foremost in our life. But we can get busy, we can get running, and then we forget this here, and we lose our joy in the process. We can have, um, we can go on in life and, and develop too much pride, where we get involved in things, and if I don't do this, and nobody will, and I'm so, you know, we become so important in our own eyes, in our own heart, that we overcommit ourselves, and instead of asking for help in our own pride, we uh, we start to lose our joy. Um, there's uh, sometimes others uh, that carry the name of Christ. Um, we say things to each other that are hurtful, and it causes us to lose. Our, we allow it to lose our joy. But no matter, remember what nobody else does. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't change what Jesus did for you and me. And that's going to be in life. Did anybody ever say ugly things to Jesus in the name of God? Oh man. A lot. That type of stuff happens. And so for us, no matter what happens, I found that God has called me to be one who does not lose the joy that God has given. Look at this here. Mission of Jesus, to bring mercy to his people, to honor the humble, to judge the proud, to convict them, and to bring peace to his people to serve without fear along with the message of John, the forgiveness of sins and to be a light to the world. And when we look there and we recenter ourselves, then what happens is I find that I start finding my joy again. Because I can get caught up in the weeds, get caught up in the details somewhere, and forget 
that this is it right here. I think that's important for, for all of us to remember. I don't know if you're in a place right now where, boy, spiritual things are fantastic. I'm just going along. I can see God working all around me. Or maybe you're at a point in life right now where you're thinking, man, I, it's hard for me to see God anywhere. Because all this other stuff happening around me, it's hard for me to see God in the middle of it. And what's important for us to remember in all this is God is there. We just miss seeing him at times. And so with that being the case, here's my prayer for us. We're going to be going through Luke here this fall. And I pray that just as when I found out that my first child was going to be born, I couldn't help but talk about it, the same becomes true for us more and more that we hear the good news of Jesus, it recenters us from whatever has happened in our life, whatever burdens we may be carrying, and we remember exactly what the good news of Jesus is. And our joy builds up more and more, and we're able to look around and say, I see God working among me. I see God working among my friends. I see God working among the church community. And here we go, the mission of God going forward into this, this area of the world that God has given us. That's my prayer, um, day in, day out, that we can uh, be more and more what God wants us to be. You guys on board with that? Let's continue to, to join the mission of God and be the, God, the people that God wants us to be, day in, day out. Let's uh, stand and sing together. Elders are waiting in the back. They'll be glad to talk with you or pray with you. If you've got anything on your heart or if you'd like to become a Christian, they're waiting for you in the back. Let's stand and sing together.